This is an ABC podcast. Can you be more Pacific? On ABC Radio Australia. And welcome to Can You Be More Pacific? I'm Dean Hallatow, and as always, I'm joined by the awesome Sarah Nangama. Bula, Dean, and Bula to all of our listeners. It's fabulous to be back in the studio for another week. We've got lots coming up. We'll be joined by former first grade and New Zealand Maldi Rugby League player, Luke Goodwin. We have an interesting question to answer, and you can ask that. And we go head-to-head in our brand-new segment, Play On or On Report. But as always, we like to start off by just giving a bit of a a bit of a recap of the week that's been. So, Hollow, what's been happening? Well, Rugby League starts this week in terms of uh, NRL preseason and matches. It all begins. Uh, all Stars is happening over in New Zealand. So, it's quite hectic in the office and, and around Rugby League. But on the weekend, I went out on my brother in law's boat. So, I got a bit, oh. of, bit of boat time, which is always fun. Um, they say that uh, the best type of boat is someone else's, and I got to go on my, <laughs> my brother in law's boat. <laughs> We are, he's had this boat for a while and my, my wife has always given him stick about the fact that he hasn't invited us on the boat. So he got us out on the boat in the weekend after a long time. Anyway, uh, I'm trying to help out and be as, yeah, as helpful as possible when we're doing things on the boat. And we're in the water. We jumped off the boat in the water and there's a ladder off the back of the boat to climb back on. Mm. And he tells me where it is and I go to unhook the ladder and I break one of the latches <gasps> on the ladder. So... That's a strike. Invite the us best out for boat the is somebody time. else's boat, right? And I've broken, broken. And I, I've come up and I'm holding the latch. I said, man, this just like snapped. All I did was like pull it. It's, it was rubber. It's like a little catch. And he goes, oh, it, it happens, you know, like salt water. These things happen over time with old boats. He'd be burning. He would be burning, but he's like, I, I would have probably done it. That's what he said. I probably would have done it. Anyway. And then he's probably thinking, this is why we can't have nice things. <laughs> Fast forward, we're about to head back to, um, to the marina and uh, we had to pump something off the boat. And I've gone there. He's shown me how to do this with his oh pump. Oh, my God. Right? And there's a... Uh, there's a little lever that I had to turn for this pump. Oh, my God. And I'm down underneath and he told me, he said, I'll, I'll let you know when to pull the lever. I've pulled this lever and snapped it off. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> and this lever is like this metal lever. Like if you want to replace it, you've got to replace this whole section. I'm looking at it going, oh, man. Like, I'm, like, I understand things how pretty handy and like mechanical and stuff. And I've pulled the lever off and go, oh, no. And I've walked upstairs holding the lever. You're I like said, the Man. kid that just breaks everything. And then my, my wife, Rochelle, she goes, stop touching stuff. Go sit over there. <laughs> <laughs> so that was, yeah, I, I haven't spoken. He was like, don't worry. It's an old, like these things happen, blah, blah, blah. But I felt terrible when we got off the boat. So you broke the ladder and you broke a lever. Yeah. On that, that's, somebody that's else's important. boat. Yeah. So I don't know if we're going to get an invite back in the boat anytime soon. Look, I don't, I don't think you should hold your breath waiting for this invite. <laughs> How was your week, Sarah? What's been going on? Look, a lot better than your weekend on the boat, I can say. Uh, it's just been really hectic. My move to Christchurch is nearing quite fast. So trying to pack up my life and jam in as much work as I can um, has been a little bit taxing on the body. And she's a bit overwhelmed. She's a little bit anxious, but she'll be right. She'll be right. I just hate living out of bags at the minute, and that's what I'm doing. Well, hopefully, once you get over there, it's tight. When, once you settle in, then you can just yeah, okay, I'm, I'm in a routine now and yes. get ready for some rugby. I'm craving for I'm craving for some routine and also to just live in like a normal person, have yes. a wardrobe, not have to open a suitcase when I want to pull out a jumper. <laughs> I could imagine that your suitcase would be pretty full. It's it's busting out the seams. <laughs> Well, on to our top story for this week. The Māori and Indigenous All-Stars head to Rotorua International Stadium for the 2023 All-Stars game. 
for a number of reasons, this is really exciting because it's going to be held in New Zealand. Yes, first time that it will be held in New Zealand. And I remember um, seeing players on the field at the end of last year's one. It was at Western Sydney Stadium. And there was a lot of um, excitement, obviously, for the game that just occurred. But um, straight away, players were talking about how good would this be if we could do it in New Zealand and give um, the Maldives over in New Zealand opportunity to celebrate Indigenous culture on that side of the ditch. So it's really cool that the game's been taken over there. Um, the stadium itself's in a, in a regional area. Rotorua, I, I don't know if you've been there. I've never been before. It's a really cool place. Um, there's hot pools and geysers. So there's a bit of a sulfur smell when you get there. It takes a little while to adjust to the smell, but it's a beautiful place. And um, it's going to be cool to see the game played there and give the locals an opportunity for some high-quality football bit unfortunate there's a few players that have pulled out just mm. because of the timing and um, not not feeling like they're ready for the um, for the campaign physically and off the back of World Cup last year you can understand that a, a number of players both in the men's and the women's that have pulled out um, due to not wanting to burn themselves out before the season starts they know that this game can be quite intense from the get-go um, so looking after themselves for their for their club teams. Yeah, it'll be, uh, there'll be, there's some big names that you um, mentioned will be missing, but it does open up the opportunity for other players to step up. Just looking at the fixtures from last year, the men's All-Stars game saw the multi-side record a hard-fought 16-10 victory, while the Indigenous team enjoyed an 18-8 win in the women's match. Just following the NRLW Instagram in particular, uh, the I guess the coverage at the minute is in the Indigenous camp, and it was so cool to see the men um, do a traditional welcome for the women. And you can just see how much the the players are immersing themselves in this opportunity to embrace their culture, celebrate themselves and their family. So I really can't wait to see this match get underway and I'm sure uh, you'll be chomping at the bit too. I'm going to be over there for it. So I am really looking forward to it. You're going to be there on the ground? Yes, but I'm not going to be looking at the field because I'm working out the back, but it's cool. I'm still going to be a part of the atmosphere. Oh, see, players never forget the people who work behind the scenes like my <laughs> mate Dean Hallatow. Sarah, what's happening in the world of rugby? Look, bit going on, and the first thing that we want to talk about is the Six Nations campaign, which got underway on the weekend. Ireland beat Wales 34 to 10, and France began with a bonus point win over Italy 29 to 24. But the game that I want to spotlight is between England and Scotland. England defeated Scotland 29 to 23. One player in particular that was super, super impressive was Scottish uh, player, but of course, Tongan heritage. Number 12, Sionet Tuipulotu. He was quite flawless throughout the game, attacking, attacking wise, sorry. He had so much to offer. Um, and it was just so cool to be able to see a Pacifica brother wearing a different jersey, but putting on an absolute performance. So um, for all of these teams, it's actually hugely exciting because, as we know, World Cup is quickly approaching before we know it, it's going to be here. Um, so these teams have the opportunity to play international sides um, and, and, I guess, kind of rough up before a big year, but uh, worth mentioning, Scotland in good form, England in good form, and I believe both of those teams are in Pool B, which Tonga will also sit in. So that's really, really going to be a tough pull. The Northern Hemisphere teams, it's a good preparation for them, isn't it, leading into this? Yeah. I feel like I could be I could be corrected on that, but I know for sure South Africa's in that, Ireland's in it, and Tonga's in it. So it's going to be um, it's gonna be a bit of a pull, that one. Oh, well, hopefully um, things, the bounce of the ball works in Tonga's favour on any of those matches. That 100%. Doing. Don't sleep on Tonga. I feel like they're going to be a force to be reckoned with. 
Turning our attention over to Fiji, the 36 Nawaka Sevens competition was held. This is really cool because on the back of the Coral Coast Sevens, which happened early in January, this was a continuation of it in a different province. But uh, looking at the champions, Fiji Development beat a strong combat Ulanakal side 31 to 10. So that's the men's division. And in the women's, Seahawks defeated Drucky Lillian's White 22 to 5. This is awesome that there's this, this opportunity to play Sevens continuously over there in Fiji at the moment. Yeah, it really is. And um, Ben Gollings, who is the head coach of the men's side, of the national side, um, speaks of how these tournaments are an opportunity for other players to put their hands up because, one, it gives players who are on the circuit, on the recent circuit between Hamilton and Sydney, um, more game time if they were quite limited. Um, but then on the flip side, it gives an opportunity for local talent to put their hand up and, and be identified as well. So um, it's it's a hugely exciting opportunity for Fijians, really. Do you get any, any calls to, to go over and maybe uh, commentate on the matches? Oh, no. No, I haven't. But, you know, it's okay. It's time to put commentary, says his hat down. Oh, wait, sorry. The, the commentary hat down and pick up the, the playing hat. So uh, I'm okay with that. I'm cool with it. Fair enough. Fair enough. Now, uh, time for some cricket and the Women's T20 World Cup uh, begins this week with New Zealand uh, taking on Arch Rivals Australia. We've talked about this across Tasman rivalry that's been happening in world sport of late. Well, it starts with uh, Australia and New Zealand in that T20 World Cup. Uh, Ten teams are competing for the title. Group A, there's uh, the champ, the former champions or defending champions, I should say, Australia, Bangladesh, New Zealand, uh, with host South Africa also there, and Sri Lanka. Group B, England, India, Ireland, Pakistan, and the West Indies. It's the eighth time that this T20 World Cup will be played, so um, no doubt all teams wanting to uh, put their best foot forward over in South Africa. Great location. How and, good. Yeah, it's exciting. T20 is like kind of like the Carnival Festival Sevens um, version in cricket, I guess you'd say, and um, it, it's always excitement. Yeah, it's really exciting. It's the game I can get around. You can get around this I, version I, of cricket? I can get around this version of cricket. I'm not I'm not great at sitting down for a long period of time, but T20, I think it's just fun. It's exciting. It's my flavor. Well, that's, why they brought, that's why they brought it in for, for the fans like yourself, Sarah. For the short attention span <laughs> fans like myself. Thank you. That's exactly what I heard, Hala. <laughs> Now, uh, NFL uh, this weekend, of course, uh, one of the biggest events on the sporting calendar of the year, the Super Bowl will be taking place in Arizona and the teams that will be competing for that, the Philadelphia Eagles, I should say, and the Kansas City Chiefs. Um, Kansas City were the AFC champs and uh, Philadelphia were the NFC champs. Now, some interesting stats with both these teams that they were the top seeds of both of those uh, conferences. Now, after last week's um, championship or conference championships, the record stand this way. The Chiefs were 16-3 and three for the season, 546 points scored. They had six all-pros, including a Kelsey brother. So that was their, their tight end, Travis Kelsey, and their quarterback being Patrick Mahomes. And uh, they're the number one seed, as I said. Now the Philadelphia Eagles, 16-3 and three also for overall record, 546 points four as well. So equal, uh, six all-pros, including a Kelsey brother and their quarterback, uh, Jalen Hurts as well. So it's... Um, a very, very tight lead into this game. Both teams uh, having great seasons, scoring a number of points. I guess the thing is that's going to separate them. The Philadelphia Eagles have some of the best um, defense in the backfield, so that they can defend receivers really well. They've got the best in the competition, which is really going to stymie the, the Kansas City Chiefs and Patrick Mahomes, who loves throwing to different receivers. But they don't really have, other than Travis Kelsey, their, their um, tight end, they don't really have 
the superstar wide receivers they used to have. They used to have Tyreek Hill who left them. So it's going to be hard, uh, a lot harder, I think, for Patrick Mahomes to find his targets and to, to have some success scoring points down the field. And the rushing game of the Philadelphia Eagles is pretty on song. While Sanders is their leading rusher and um, he's pretty well supported. Kenneth Gainwell is another a backup running back for them who's had a really strong playoff series. And Jalen Hurts, their quarterback, is the best rushing quarterback in the, uh, in the NFL. So... It's going to be a time, but I think the Philadelphia Eagles are riding a, a big wave of momentum and they've just got, just got all the, the elements to get the game won. So Philadelphia, that's who I'm backing. Yeah, absolutely. We've got to get behind Jordan Mailata. That's right. I, I left him out. You left, left him How out. can you forget our number one boy? Yeah, he's had a, um, obviously a great year, a great couple of years since um, making his debut and, and getting a contract with the Eagles. And yeah. You've uh, had a little bit of insight to him of late, haven't you, Sarah? Yes, I actually caught up with his coach that uh, that's, um, looked after him while he was here in Sydney at the Bankstown Bulls, and his name is Richard Carruz. Great, great lad, um, very passionate about rugby league, but also his players. So it was great to get some insight as to what Jordan was like growing up and very humble, very kind kid, um, thoroughly deserves all the success he's now experiencing. So for people like Richard and um, Western Sydney, they're really looking forward to seeing um, one of their own on the world stage. And more than all of that, his, pr- uh, his secondary school, sorry, um, have put together a whole watch party. So everyone's going to stop for the day and watch uh, Jordan kit up and play in the Civil Bowl because it genuinely doesn't get better than that. Well, it'll be played on Monday during the day. So that's a pretty good Monday at school for those kids. Oh, how good. I think I'm sick on Monday now. (laughs) Talanoa time on Can You Be More Pacific? Joining us for Talanoa Time this week, we have Luke Goodwin. He is from a fairly strong rugby league pedigree, but he's represented uh, the Canberra Raiders, the Penrith Panthers, the Canterbury Bulldogs, the Western Reds, the Western Suburbs. He's played over in the Super League. He's also represented the New Zealand Māori on a number of occasions, as well as coaching them. And he coaches the New South Wales Cup side for the women's team at the Canterbury Bankstown Bulldogs. Luke Goodwin, thanks for joining us on Can You Be More Pacific? Uh, Kia ora guys, thanks for having me. Firstly Luke, uh, I guess we'll get you to give our audience a bit of a background as to who you are and uh, where you come from. Yeah sure, um, I-, I was born in, in Sydney, um, but my heritage and my culture, um, second generation Māori, um, from a little town uh, in near Hamilton called Huntley, Tawera Nikau, Martin Moana, um, a lot of other whānau from that area. So, yeah, um, born and bred, born in, in St. George Hospital and um, and pretty much then followed Dad around um, where he was playing. So did a lot of growing up out in uh, the central west of New South Wales in parks. Actually went to Red Bend uh, Catholic College uh, boarding school out there and then uh, then started playing. So hopped around to a few clubs after that, mate. I guess um, just touching on, on uh, the, the family history in rugby league, you, you, as I said in the, in the intro, you, you come from a fairly strong rugby league pedigree, but you, you're a family of rugby league players. Can you talk us about, sorry, tell us about rugby league in uh, the Goodwin household? Yeah, well, I'm pretty proud to say that my dad was the first Māori ever to represent Australia. So um, I didn't find that out um, until, you know, until I, I I started playing, but it's something I'm pretty proud of with Dad um, and, and the culture, um, knowing about it. You know, being second, third generation, 
and not growing up back in New Zealand, uh, every time I had a chance to go back there, um, it was pretty pretty important, and it was a pretty um, it was pretty massive um, massive time. Um, but yeah, you know, I, I was lucky enough to to lead the way for my brothers. Um, then I had uh, my two younger brothers, uh, Bronx made his debut at the Raiders, uh, and Bryson made his debut at the Sharks. So yeah, it's um, pretty unique. It's funny being at the Bulldogs now working. I'm not sure if anyone ever has ever done this, but Terry Lamb played with my dad in 1980 at Western Suburbs, and then he also played with me at the Bulldogs. So I'm not sure if there's anyone, anyone else that's played with a father and son. That is incredible insight. <laughs> I don't think anyone has, not that I can think of. Yeah, that's, that's a, a tough one to beat on. That's here. a rarity. <laughs> it's crazy. You uh, speak about the, the family dynamic and how your brothers also had the opportunity to play um, elite rugby league. What was your dynamic like as brothers in the house? Was it constantly playing lounge room footy? Was it always competitive? Give us a bit of insight as to what that was like. Yeah, it was funny. Well, I'm 10 years older than Bronx and then 12 years older than Bryson. So, yeah, like they, I've, you know, Pretty much brought them up, um, obviously with our parents. But yeah, there was a massive break there. But yeah, you know, it's, even my older brother Leon, we you know, he used to coach them with their junior rep teams and stuff. But yeah, there's uh, as they got older, there was a lot of backyard footy, and and then but they they quickly become bigger than me, so <laughs> <laughs> there's a, a lot of payback. <laughs> Luke, what about? Uh, can you tell us? Sorry, can you tell us a little bit about your time with the Bulldogs? You, you mentioned before that you worked there, and um, you know you, you played there at a time where they had a lot of success. What was it like for you as a player to be part of a club uh, like the Bulldogs? Yeah, it's funny, do you know, and, and you've you know been lucky enough to play at the club. When I got there, and, and the great Peter Moore was in charge, he taught me a lot of values, um, you know, about life. Um, and about the importance of family, um, and Bulldogs are known as the family club. So it's funny, when I was at Penrith in 92, and I was playing under Gus out there and, and made my first grade debut, I had a few clubs chase me. I went and met with Jack, Jack Gibson at uh, his house in Cronulla, and I also met with Peter Moore at Belmore, and I went back, and I remember speaking to Paul Dunn, and he played at both clubs. And I said to Paul, mate, I'm, I don't know what to do, you know, where should I go? And he goes, oh, look, that's, I can't answer that for you. But I will say that everybody needs to spend a year at the Bulldogs. And, and he was right. Um, what they instilled about the family and the family club and, you know, what they did for our partners and our families, we'd go away and play. They'd take the families out and the partners out for dinner and really take care of them. So I've never been in a club that had done that before. Um, that actually showed... Um, you know, interest in, in our partners and our families. So I think, you know, that, that's what um, got me the most. And, and then, you know, when I went there, they were doing a massive rebuild. We had Terry Lamb, Jimmy Dimmick come, Jared McCracken, Martin Bella, um, Gary Conley from the UK. So they, um, when we went on, I think 93, 94 were both minor premiers. And then obviously 95, we won. So, yeah, it was, it was a great time to beat the club. It's so cool to hear what it was like back then, but also the, I guess the the way that your families were treated while players were trying to take care of business on the field. What has it been like to be able to return home, but then in the capacity of a coach? Yeah, it's um, something I didn't think I'd get back into. When I retired, I, I did a bit of coaching at the Sharks and 
and that for years and um, coaching New Zealand Maldives. But yeah, when Steve Price rang me and said, mate, um, would you be interested? I said, oh, okay. So I've got three daughters. Can't be that hard. <laughs> <laughs> so, so I, um, yeah, took up the role. And it's funny. So in 2020, um, I was also started working at the club at the Head of Wellbeing. So we went into COVID. It was the first COVID lockdown. And, and I start, I did the whole pre-season in two trials. Then I had to quit as coach or stand down as coach because because of the lockdown. And I, I was in the NRL bubble. So it was very unfortunate. And it's only this year um, that I was fortunate enough. Two years, they went away, away to Mounties with our New South Wales Cup team, our Harvey Norman team. So it's back now with our reserve grade team and um, yeah, I was asked to do it again and um, you know, mate, I'm loving it, I must admit. Like I said, it's something I didn't think I'd ever get back into but I was fortunate enough, you know, the club needed someone and said, mate, would you be willing to do it? Um, yeah, it's been, it's been great because like any female sport at the moment, uh, the progression's been quick um, and yeah, the resources and tools the club have given us they really support it's not a tick you know a tick of the box it's uh they've really bought into the whole uh, female program which has been outstanding yeah there's been some really uh cool content that they've thrown up on their social media page around jersey presentations and um things that have that have gone on uh, like you said before about the family club they really do try to in, involve all parts of a, of a player's life uh, and it's something that i got to experience like you said and uh, there's, there's no true words in that now with with your team you, you managed to get a, a pretty solid win uh, for round one up against uh, st george can you tell us about how your team's looking you've recruited pretty solid uh, through the off-season and I, I guess putting yourself in a good place to, to give a nudge for the NRLW in the future. Yeah, well, that's all, all it's about, Dino, is, is setting up the program properly with, with our GM of Female Pathways, Barry Ward. So we know if we set it up right, um, you know, there'd be no reason why we would we can't take the next step into NRLW. Now, we could have done it a bit earlier, but not having our Harvey Norman team for two years, we just thought it would be rushed. Um, but we run it like an NRLW program, not knowing what that's about or what that entails, but that's what we do. Um, yeah, we have, mate. Well, you got to remember, we didn't have a team, so we had to recruit 30 new players. Um, but we, we went out over, uh, went looking for some core players, as you do. Um, well, probably the most important um, you know, couple of girls was um, Gail Broughton was massive. Uh, being mouldy, when I got her in and we took her to dinner at the club and we explained, didn't really speak footy. We just spoke about the club and and what you know why it was important to me and what we offer. I pretty much knew straight away within you know five minutes of that meeting that she would be at our club. Um, as cocky as that sounds, but I just knew the the connection was there straight away. Um, and the other one was you know Kennedy Sherrington was the same. When I heard her story. And, you know, what she did for her whanau, um, bringing them over from Perth and supporting them and, 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 and stuff, I thought, OK, that's someone I want at our club because that's who we are, um, which was really special. Um, then we had some experience like Holly Wheeler, you know, straight from a uh, World Cup campaign that they won um, with a lot of experience. So, yeah, we're quite lucky to get, you know, three elite women like that at our club and... Um, they're really paving the way, you know, for for our Lisa Fiola and, and Tasha Gale girls. 
It's really awesome to hear you speak about those girls, particularly Gail Broughton, um, having made the transition from rugby, coming to Australia, um, and just seeing the way that she's been embraced, um, I guess, by the community here, but then also by the Bulldogs has been so heartening. And then we also saw last week that she was named as captain, so I'm sure that was quite a special moment for you both. Yeah, it was. So what we did there, part of our... Um in, uh, sorry, jersey presentation. We got all the families to send a video, and then we we actually invited all the families, and and the players didn't know. So the family sat in the crowd, and we did it on Belmore on the big screen, Dino, as you know. And so we did that, and then um, unfortunately, Gail was a commentator at the sevens and couldn't make it. So what we did, we got her grandmother, who's her biggest supporter, to do an, another message, and I, I invited all her Fano to come on the Wednesday and presented a jersey and I said, oh, we got a, a message from your grandmother too. And she just said, oh, you know, we're proud of you, wish you, and um, and I want to congratulate, I want to be the first to congratulate you being named captain. And I knew what that would mean to Gail and uh, there were a lot of tears from me and from all the all the players. It was, uh, it was pretty cool to watch, actually. It worked better than I thought it ever would. I'm in tears hearing that story. I did see that piece of content, but obviously having the context behind it, not really sure. But my goodness, I'm crying. <laughs> That's really, really special. Um, well, on that note, I, I just really want to wish you and your girls all the best for this season. We're not done with you yet because there's still one part that we want to really cover with yeah. you. And, of course, at the minute we are preparing for the All-Stars um, this yep. um, multi game this weekend, you have been involved extensively in the past in a coaching capacity, even played. How big of a spectacle is this um, for the Pacifica cultures and oh, Indigenous as well? Sorry. Uh, yeah, no, it's huge for both cultures. Um, it's so, so good that the similarity between the cultures. So that's why I was really happy and proud that the game got to go home. Uh, this year, you know, and it's not perfect. Uh, it, it, it's a hard one because I just don't know the right timing of, of when the game should be played. Like the boys are coming back to the World Cup, you know, Paul Josh had a card to pull out. He's only less than a month back to training and he just said he wasn't right and was tough, you know, like massive decision, him being probably one of the most high-profile Indigenous players. So you could imagine, you know, what he was copying, but you know, it took a lot of courage for him to do what he did because, you know, he, he wasn't ready and he was, you know, um, ready to play. But... It is massive, and I know what it means to him. And it's funny enough, we spoke after last year's All-Stars game that he goes, oh, bro, I hope they take it home next year, you know, to New Zealand. He, he, like, he was pumped. Um, but, yeah, he, it's a massive. It, it, I just don't know if it, where it sits in the calendar, though, you know, um, when, when we play it. But, you know, I suppose you just got to take it wherever they want to put it. Yeah, that's true. It's, it's, um, it, it is a tricky time of the year, especially with um, trials taking place this weekend as well and uh, all things ramping up towards the season, proper kicking off in, in what is it, nearly three weeks. So um, I'm sure it's something that they'll, they'll revisit. But nevertheless, looking forward to uh, what's always a, a really um, good moment on the rugby league calendar in terms of the, the atmosphere and um, the competition you see between the sides and the respect for each other's culture, which uh, yourself and Sarah have both mentioned. So, yeah, looking forward to, to watching the coverage of that match this weekend. Now, Luke, uh, before we let you go, it's been great chatting to you and getting to know a little bit about yourself and, and your history. Before we let you go, we like to play a little game with our guests we call Tip On. It's basically 60 seconds of rapid-fire questions. You have to answer as quickly as you can with the first thing that comes yep. to your mind. Are you ready to play? 
Go for it. All right, I'll take you through it. The clock is on. What have you been binging lately? Ooh, I like to watch a lot of sports docos. Nice. What is your coffee order? I don't drink coffee. Who was your sporting hero? I was a big Mal Meninga fan. Do you fold or do you scrunch? And I'm talking about toilet paper. <laughs> Sometimes a bit of both, actually. <laughs> a bit of both. <laughs> if I'm in a hurry. <laughs> what would be your wrestler entrance song? Ooh, this is how we do it. Favourite movie as a kid? I'm going to be honest, I love watching Grease. What's something you could eat for a month straight? Uh, chicken schnitzel. Favourite place you've travelled to? Hawaii. What's the most used app on your phone? <laughs> this is embarrassing. Probably TikTok. <laughs> <laughs> do, you have hidden, do you have a hidden talent? Uh, no, not really. I've got to push one more in. Which shoe do you put on first, your left or your right? Ooh, I always put my right foot on because I'm, I'm right-handed and kick right, so always my right. I love that. Luke, it has been an absolute joy for us to be able to catch up with you today on Can You Be More Pacific. We wish you all the best um, for the upcoming season with the Harvey Norman girls and can't wait to see what else unfolds for you throughout this uh, season. And I appreciate the chat and keep up the good work. Take care. That was Luke Goodwin, Bulldogs women's head coach and NRL wellbeing manager. Can you be more specific on ABC Radio Australia and ABC Sport Digital Radio? You can ask that. Your chance to ask what it's really like to be an elite athlete on Can You Be More Pacific? Sarah, our favourite segment, you can ask that. It's where our listeners get an opportunity to ask us a question, what it's like to be in sport. Um, Me from the perspective of a former player, yourself from the perspective of a current player. And this week's question comes via Instagram from uh, Benny. And the question is, with the All-Stars match this weekend, how important is it to represent your culture? Ooh, good question, Benny. Good question. Very topical. All-Stars coming up. Yes, it is. Well, I guess at the the top of my response is I've never had the opportunity to play for Fiji. I have been presented um, the chance to, but I didn't consider it purely because I grew up wanting to play for Australian, which I'm very, very blessed and fortunate to now say that I have and I do. Um, but that being said, regardless of what jersey I have on, I always feel like I'm representing my family and um, my heritage and my Fijian culture and any opportunity that I can um, express that, I always will. And it could be in the simplest way of, you know, where are you from? And I'll always say, I'm an Australian-born Fijian. And I feel like it it's a nod to the land that I live on and I'm very fortunate that my family came and migrated when they did and therefore I have a life here. But at the same time, to acknowledge, you know, the colour of my skin, the texture of my hair is my Fijian roots, which I'm thoroughly, thoroughly proud of. So how important is it to represent your culture? It is so important to me and I feel like whenever I can, I will and it doesn't necessarily matter what jersey I have on because... You know, you look at a team list or you just look at me at face value and you know that I'm Fijian. So, um, yeah, I, I 
I value it deeply. What about you? Yeah, I, I couldn't agree more, Sarah. And like, I was lucky enough to play for New Zealand, and um, I, I never got the opportunity to play for Newey. But um, playing for New Zealand is it's a a really good experience in terms of connecting with culture. Anyway, as you know, you look across the Kiwi side, and this is starting to happen a, a little bit with Aussie sides as well. There, there's such a a, a blend of cultures, in particularly New Zealand side, uh, Pacifica cultures in particular. And you get to understand more about yourself through the opportunity to play sport at that level. And I was always grateful to go into a, a Kiwi camp. I grew up here in Australia, born in New Zealand, but grew up here in Australia. Um, went to like a very westernized school. Um, didn't really get any exposure to, to any culture other than a few books uh, that at the time at school was uh, learning about indigenous culture here in Australia. Mm-hmm. So I was always disconnected from who I was as a Kiwi uh, for a starter. So getting to play for New Zealand, I got to reconnect with that side of things, which is a completely different uh, identity to, to an Australian way of life. So I really valued that. But I also got to um, know a little bit about uh, my Pacifica brothers that played in that team as well, which is something that I valued and, and probably um, gave me a little portal into connecting with with culture, which, which I really appreciated. And that's something that... Um, a lot of people I speak to in, in rugby league, when they are in a, like say, a New Zealand multi team and they get to play all stars, they learn more about themselves that they didn't really know before. And um, it also filters through to their family as well, often. It encourages their family to, to want to know more about themselves and about their heritage and where they're from. So it's extremely important. And I think it gives you a little bit more about, uh, a little bit more insight to your own identity as a person when you, when you can understand that. And, um, you kind of just feel a, a natural affinity to, to your own culture when you're exposed to it. I think it just sort of, it's innate, I guess. It certainly is. And I love hearing that insight. It struck a memory and my brothers, Wes and Kevin, both um, have had the opportunity to captain the Fiji Mbati, which is the national rugby league side. And they speak so warmly of their experiences in camp and how it genuinely is unlike anything else. Kevin in particular, um, it just says like as soon as you get there, you're just jamming with the players, and there's just this um this connection because you come from the same place, and your jokes are the same, you all laugh the same, like everyone sounds like a hyena in the team room, <laughs> but there's nothing better than it. So, um, you know, like looking at my family, I guess taking a step back and looking at my family, it's so cool that the boys have been able to play for Fiji and represent um us on that in in that way and in that manner, um as well as our culture, and then for me to be able to do it um within the Aussie fold, it's um yeah, it's pretty bloody cool. Yeah, I agree. Oh, Great I've, question, Benny. Yeah, I've loved uncovering this. <laughs> so please make sure that if you have anything that you'd like to ask us, that you can certainly reach us both on Instagram. My handle is at Sarah Nangama and Dean's is at Dean Hallitow. Can you be more Pacific on ABC Radio Australia? Oh, my God. You're with Sarah and Dean talking all things sport across the Pacific. Stick around, we'll spotlight our favourite socials, tackle the tough headlines in the ruck and go head-to-head in Play On or On Report. We're continuing with our new segment called Play On or All Report. We have introduced this in recent weeks. So I think we've uh, found our feet a little bit with it. But basically, this is an opportunity for us to look at an issue in sport that's created some debate. And Dean and I will decide whether it's all good, therefore play on, or you're out of line, so therefore you're on report. This week's, uh, I guess, topic is players going toe-to-toe on social media. And I know there was a recent example in the sport of golf. So, Dean, over to you. Yes. um, 
Max Homer, who's had a bit of success this year, young golfer, and also Colin Marikawa, they took a bit of um, a swipe at two other players, Patrick Reed and Rory McIlroy. So I'll give the, the Patrick Reed and more, uh, Rory McIlroy background. These two um, were at a tournament recently. Uh, Patrick Reed approached Rory to shake his hand, and Rory brushed him and basically told him to, to beat it. Then Patrick Reed allegedly threw a golf tee at him, which is just a little wooden stick for those That's of, very funny. Those of us that don't know. Um, so yeah, pretty, pretty lame sort of stuff, but it, there's a bit of history behind Rory and Patrick Reed. doesn't matter. Anyway, Max Homer, uh, a few days later, was playing in the tournament. At the end of the day's play, he said it was a great, tour- uh, great day play. Um, didn't get subpoenaed by anyone. Now, this is the history. Um, Patrick Reed subpoenaed Rory McIlroy to um, give some evidence and something, and Max Homer wrote, yeah, it didn't get subpoenaed by anyone. It was a good day. <laughs> Colin Morikawa replies, uh, I was going to throw a tee at you, but you're too nice a bloke. <laughs> Something to that effect. I'm paraphrasing here. So those two having a bit of a joke at the expense of Rory and Patrick, mostly Patrick Reed, but expense of the other two over playing in another tournament. So I thought it was was pretty funny. And I guess that's where this, this sort of question comes from. The, the banter that we sort of hear about there, or even when players are criticizing opponents in social media, whether or not it's play on or they should stop that because it's not really sportsmanlike, I guess, more, to be more traditional. Mm. I'm, I'm, I'm in the play on. I, I sort of liken this to sledging and cricket. Sledging and cricket used to be awesome back in the day, right? They used to, and it still is, but we don't hear about as many. But there's been some all-time great sledges in cricket where um, players you think maybe cross the line, take it too far, but it's, it's all in the, the name of competition. It's just spilled over now into another medium, which is social media, mm-hmm. and it occurs outside the game. So I think it's awesome. I certainly am all down for banter because I comment some rubbish on my friend's post, but I'm like, because, you know, you have a relationship with them, you know exactly how they're going to receive it. I think what can sometimes be a little bit confusing with social media is the tone can be a little bit vague. So if I post something, you know, post something a friend comments my mum reads it she's obviously criticizing me about something that you know her and I have a joke about my mum looks at her and goes why you know why is that girl talking to you like that you know <laughs> should should I should I message her I I went to go look on her pro- and I'm I'm actually retelling a, a true occasion here my mum's been like confused by the delivery and you know I guess that's the the main thing is that sledging absolutely is play on and when it's done in good nature and when it's fun but I guess the risk with it is your delivery being misinterpreted. Yeah. Do you think when it's two opposition players that don't really know each other, but they're having a crack at each other, but they leave it kind of middle of the road so you can go either way with how you interpret it? I'm about it. You're about that? I'm about it. Yeah. Builds up a bit of, I think it builds up a bit of suspense for the, when they do meet in a game. And also Franz, sorry, Franz, Fans froth that. Yeah. They love being able to see two people going head to head because they think, oh, this is going to add Spicy. a little bit more. Yeah. yeah. It's going to add some sass and spice when they actually have the opportunity to play against each other. So um, players going toe to toe on social media. Look, I think we might be favoring this one and say play on. Play on. Play on. Is there anything that goes on report though? Like is there a line? Yeah. When you start to like criticize them personally, I think. Yeah. And But again, like I said, I could be saying the most offensive thing and it's all in the name of love because you know that you and I had that joke in the change room, right? Yeah, yeah. But then, you know, Stacey from the Blue Mountains reads and goes, oh, Sarah's a bit of a nasty girl. 
You know, and Good then point. it just gets it gets a bit crazy. What I do want to mention one thing though, I always find it a little bit f- not funny. I don't know if funny is the right word, but like why when players engage with like really stupid arguments online and it yeah, just goes yeah, yeah. deep into like the Facebook forums or you know they're going you know you look at the, a, a photo on Instagram and there's 23 replies and I'm thinking, bro, protect your peace. Like yeah, don't yeah. even engage. I think yeah, you can get trapped, right? You just go down and you keep going and you just. It's a lot of unnecessary energy that you're wasting by doing it. And then before you know, and then before you know it, more people are jumping on board, and you're just creating more and more and more conversation about nothing. You're like, you feel one thing, I feel one thing. Just leave it, let it be. Good advice, there, Sarah. Collect the clout, though. (laughs) That's right. Always. Let us know what you think. Do you agree with Sarah and I? It's we both said play on, or uh, do you think that players should keep their mouths quiet or their fingers quiet on uh, on social media? On ABC Radio Australia. Can you be more Pacific? Keeping it social. Bit going on on the internet this week, and uh, one I came across on Instagram was just too good to pass up, and it comes from the World Rugby Sevens uh, Insta, and it's a Bit of a collaboration between the Levi sisters and the Shepmates, who are some uh, pretty famous brothers on the internet. Yeah, they're funny. They they just they do um, famous calls, sports calls, and it's they, actually iconic. Yeah, and they're like they don't use like micro. They just dress funny, and they use like I don't know, like little props. Yeah, props like a hair clippers or something like that as as pretend microphones and. They're spot on with their, um, with their, what's it called? Lip syncing. Yes. spot on with their lip syncing. They're, um, <laughs> they're actually pretty good. I'm, I'm impressed because I went, I went stalking through their Instagram, but they uh, saw the Levi sisters. So Tegan and Maddie both play for the Aussie women's seven side. And, um, you know, I'll just let the trending audio do its work. Excuse me, bro. You're excused. I'm not your bra. It's so good. The best thing about it is because they're brothers and the girls obviously sisters, they just like had one each, one boy, one girl, and each in like a bit of a, you know, to and fro. It was, it's pretty iconic. Yeah, cool. Good good get together from those two. Good, good call. Thank cool. you. Thank you so much. <laughs> bit of a backhanded uh, no, compliment genuine. there. It was good. Oh, okay. <laughs> this is really awesome. Okay, then what do you find, Holla? Yeah, I know. I, f- I feel a bit um, self-conscious about what I'm about to throw up. So... Obviously, I know golf. I love golf. And I mentioned before about Max Homer and Colin Morikawa having a bit of a dig at their two compatriots overplaying in uh, Dubai. But Max Homer's sort of developed a bit of a reputation for going hard on Twitter at people. Like, he's, he's quite funny. Oh, he's, he's that guy. He's, he's a young guy. But he, um, like, you know, everyone, it's very jovial. Like, he does it. And the people that are reaching out to him um, are expecting it back. So he's just roasting people's swings at the moment. And uh, Zaya Golf on Instagram, Z I. R-E, golf, um, they have posted up some of his best um, sledges that he's given to, to fans uh, on Twitter. Uh, the first one I'll show you here, it's, uh, and, and it's video clips of fans um, posting their swings for Max to comment on. The first one from Jason uh, Colson says, 
Max Homer roast my three wood. That's ten past your driver. And Max Homer replies, "Congrats on bombing your three wood. Let me know if you need a discount on tickets for any of the PGA <laughs> Tour events this season." Obviously, uh, Jason's not participating in them. Like Max, the next one. Hey Max, I'm a short hitter, and it's frustrating. Any tips to hit it a little longer? I don't know, man. Usually, I start by telling people to match their shirt and their shoes, but you already did that, so I'm out of ideas. And the oh guys, my god, the guys wearing like. Yeah, like an electric blue shirt with uh, matching shoes. It looks a bit uh, daggy. So it goes on. There's there's pages of that. So if you want to, if our listeners want to jump on Desire Golf and, and check it out, or go to Max Homer's um, Twitter page because he's just constantly doing it every day. He's just roasting people. So I, I like his character. I have to say, this is really funny from you. I'm I'm scrolling through this Desire Golf uh, thread, and one guy says, "Yeah, my man needs some feedback on his swing bachelor party. You soon." Max Homie responds, "Hopefully, his marriage is longer than his backswing." <laughs> <laughs> Shatter. I like it. Good work, colors. Yes. In the rut, tackling the tough headlines in sport. On can you be more Pacific? Time to take a look at some of the things making headlines in the world of sport at the moment. Now, firstly, the NRL. We've spoken at length today about the uh, All-Stars that's coming up this weekend. Uh, prior to that happening, uh, last weekend, it was Jack Whiten's 30th birthday. He was out in Canberra, and one of his close friends, Latrell Mitchell, was with him. Now, they got into a, a little bit of a harmless wrestle, as I've said in a comment uh, that they released themselves or a statement that they released, uh, and they were both arrested. So um, it was at a, an establishment. The police were around, and they were both charged with uh, alleged offences, including fighting in a public place. Um, they are free to play this weekend, pending um, the outcome of, of any proceedings from a legal point of view. Everyone's keeping quiet on, on the matter for now. Um, so that will sort of unfold. But both players... Um, boarded the plane and headed over to New Zealand. So they will be playing this weekend. Uh, I guess that's a pretty good outcome for a pretty devastating situation last week. But again, all in good nature. So we'll uh, let that one play out. Turning our attention over to soccer, Vanuatuans, Brau Kartik, uh, he is contracted to the Central Coast Mariners. He has been in sensational form, but last week received a red card. Um, which was hugely devastating. Um, the Mariners went down to Sydney FC 3-2. to two. So um, even though that wasn't the news that we want to cover, I guess the one thing that I learned about Brian is that he's the first of Vanuatu to receive a professional contract. So great to see Pacifica brother menacing in the Premier Soccer League. Yeah, it's, it's great for him to get over here to Australia. And um, it's, I always love seeing Pacifica players come into the rugby league here in Australia or like people that were – um, born in country and moved over to play. Like it's good to see those pathways in, in my sport. So equally good to see it in, in soccer as well. Feel good story. 29 years old or just a few days before he turned 29, he secured his contract. So he was in it for some time, constantly overlooked, gets his first look in um, with the Mariners and has been described as, I think they call him the the defence wall of Gosford or something along the lines of that because he's just so strong in defence for them. So um, not the not the news that you want to cover, but um, always worth spotlighting um, a brother when they're doing really well. Certainly is. Now, weightlifter Vipava Neville came, uh, will come out of retirement, I should say, uh, for the Pacific Elite International Tournament that's about to take place. 34-year-old Samoan uh, is, is coming out of retirement. So I've got to say, like, weightlifting is obviously a, a fairly difficult Strenuous. Like it's strenuous, right? So I'm wondering when you retire, do you keep lifting because you've done it for so long? And like I, I myself have retired from playing sport, but I still lift weights occasionally just to make sure I'm staying in shape. Mm. Um, but to go back into an elite competition after retiring, that's a, that's a big jump. 
It is a huge jump. I've actually been at the gym with my friends who are genuine um, weightlifters and what they give is just insane. The amount of hours. So if you come out of retirement, you've already said no to like living that way, doing that, and then you want to do it again. You yeah. must have an itch. He must have an itch. Well, he, he competed at the Commonwealth Games in 2022 in England and claimed a silver medal. Uh, so to, to come back from only last year, maybe – he did keep that training going, and uh, that tournament will kick off. The Pacific Elite one will kick off on 25th of March um, at the Victorian Weightlifting Stadium in Australia. Huge. Huge. Well, we'll watch this space because I'm sure there'll be more news to come on him. Over in Fiji, the National Rugby League Board has appointed a new chairperson. FNRL Chief Executive Officer Don Nthambe announced Assistant Commissioner of the Police, Aparosa Lutinonga, as the new chairperson on the board. Oh, sorry, of the board towards the 2025 Rugby League World Cup. Um, but looking at their former chairperson, Viliana Nopoto, he did some incredible things while he was in the role, including managing to launch the Women's Elite Premiership, the Interstate Championship, and the establishment of the Northern State Rugby League in Vanua level, despite the pandemic. So the new chairperson, Aparosa, um, will have his eyes set on the 2025 Rugby League World Cup being held in France, which, to be fair, is going to come around very, very quickly. Yeah, Blinken, it'll be here again. We're just seeing these, um, these international events. Come around fairly quickly. Uh, well done to Viliame for um, being recognised for the work that, that he's mm. done to establish, I guess, clearer pathways in, um, in the women's game in Fiji and uh, leaving a legacy. That's what you want to do when you, when you leave a role. So passing the baton on, which is, uh, which is cool. Always. One thing I do want them to do is just really increase the opportunities for the girls um, that play rugby league. On, on an international level, because I think the last time that they'd kind of done the jersey was 2019 and it's been pretty quiet since. Yes, admittedly, COVID has gotten in the way, but um, I want to see the girls have a bit more opportunity in the lead up to the World Cup. Well said. Now, Cricket Fiji will co-host the inaugural Pacific Island Cricket Challenge in 2023. Uh, a lot in um, partnership with the Australian Defence Force Cricket. Uh, they'll host it from the 6th to the 18th of March. The participating countries will be PNG, Samoa, Vanuatu, Fiji, and there'll be a combined Anzac team. So Australian and New Zealand Defence Force will, will come together. So five men's and five women's teams. It's going to be a great tournament for both to be played side by side and in Fiji. Fiji's hosted some awesome events lately. It's the gift that keeps on giving. What can I say? Yeah, we've got to get over there for some more. Oh, I know you've got to get over there, but... If the ABC gods can I'd hear like us, some. please take Hala and myself and our producer, Joel, over to Fiji. <laughs> it's out there. It is out there. I actually caught up with the, the, the men's head coach of the cricket team, and it was, it's really cool. Um, the, the setup that they have over there, they're based at Albert Park in Suva. Um, they train in the most heated conditions but the boys are always in good spirits and there's some real good feel stories so make sure you do tune into our sister show that pacific sports show because we will cover their stories in weeks to come last but not least Vern cotter has resigned as the flying fijians head coach he is the head coach of the 15 side if anyone's not aware with only seven months until the rugby world cup held in france he stands down he's been in the role since january 2020 and the fiji rugby union have begun the process to recruit a new coach this is turbulent for a number of reasons i've been in a side where you change coaches less than a year out um but then i've seen some really feel-good stories come out of it. Um, the likes of the Black Ferns who had a whole shift in their coaching staff and were able to come out on top with a rugby um, World Cup. So anything can happen. Timing, eh, I never think it's uh, ideal, but 
all the best in recruiting someone to get the job done because there's a big responsibility sitting on their shoulders. We, we spoke about this a few weeks ago when uh, Dave Rennie got moved on uh, with Eddie Jones coming in and that short lead into a World Cup. But they'd already made the decision to bring in Eddie Jones. So to go on a recruitment um, drive with only seven months, a bit of a shorter lead into what uh, the Wallabies have experienced, it's um, it's going to be tough. It's going to be tough. And Cotter has acknowledged that the reason, he has, uh, the reason he has resigned is due to personal reasons. So you never know what's going on in someone's world. But we do um, wish him all the best and can't wait to see who's going to be appointed because, again, big responsibility sitting on their shoulders just like Eddie Jones. Unfortunately, that brings us to the end of the show, but do not fear, we'll be back same time, same place next week. Don't forget, you can find all our episodes on the Radio Australia website or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Matola Kia. More there. Can You Be More Pacific? An ABC Sport production for ABC Radio Australia. This program has been funded by the Department of Foreign Affairs and Trade.